0: The what is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here on a Friday night. Uh, we're done with the sober podcast. We're back drinking here. We've got we've got some Bullet Bourbon Frontier Whiskey. I think it's my favorite these days. It's definitely my go-to. Um, it's 420. The barstool office smells like a fucking grow house right now. There's people token up all over the place. I have not indulged yet today because I'm very excited for this conversation. We have somebody from Blockstack in the studio. Uh, I'd like to introduce you all to Patrick Stanley, the, uh, the growth partner at Blockstack. Patrick, welcome to the pod.
1: Hey, how's it going? And thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. Yeah. I'm really interested. We uh, I had to interrupt the conversation we were having before we started recording because you were giving out too much good information that I didn't want to miss hmm. here on the podcast. And I know your time is limited. you got a boxing match to get to tonight. Um, so... Let's jump right into it. This is Tales from the Crypt. How did you find Bitcoin? Um,
1: yeah, so actually, I was living in Chicago at the time, and I think I was in my early 20s. I think I was like 22. I think every young man at some point starts to dive down the rabbit hole of, you know, what is money? Mm-hmm. And um, I was kind of going down this rabbit hole learning the sort of Austrian side of economics. I'm not even sure where I first heard about it, but I remember being incredibly skeptical. And then uh, the more I looked into it, um, the more I became uh, very optimistic on it. And I remember my brother was a commodity trader in Chicago, and I was telling him about it, and this is when Bitcoin was at, I think like, I think it was about $90 at the time.
0: was like 2012, 2011 maybe? Yeah.
1: And he's kind of like a prodigy trader. I mean like um he's very good and he just decided to, you know, buy like fifty thousand dollars worth of it. Boss. Uh, and he, and he held on to it. And actually, um it came in handy for him. Um and I think there was some there was like a, a time when um when uh, he was in like a little bit of a pickle and, and the Bitcoin actually saved saved him. Really? Yeah. Um so what uh yeah, what part Bitcoin.
0: of Chicago are you living in?
1: I was living in Old Town.
0: Old Town? Yeah. All right. I uh, went to DePaul University, so I discovered Bitcoin in Chicago around the same time. Uh, That's a very interesting story. I was uh, slumming it in Lakeview, but that's sort of where I fell down the rabbit hole. I was working at uh, a managed futures fund. Not too much different than what your brother was doing, but uh, I was the crazy analyst in the office screaming, we should be focusing on Bitcoin, we should be buying this. Uh, I got laughed out of the office, but uh, my old coworkers hit me up and are asking for advice, so I think they've turned a leaf.
1: Oh man, I think like there's probably so many listeners right now <laughs> that were like that Bitcoin person for so <laughs> many years and made, made fun of for so many years. Um, shout out to everyone that was that Bitcoin person.
0: Shout out to the Chads out there that 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 uh, that gruesome tough skin it wasn't easy it wasn't easy getting ridiculed it was uh it was something that uh is very taboo and i yeah, would say it's still taboo uh, to an extent but
1: yeah i think like honestly um the time it takes to get people to speed on what bitcoin is and how valuable it, it was just uh was too long and i started adopting like the kind of like uh i'm a crazy person uh like kanye style <laughs> uh, you know kind of w- approach of explaining bitcoin um just to keep it short um and you know, I think, um, I think, you know, probably confused a lot of people in the process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I confused <laughs> a lot of the people in my office because I was during like the alt run of 2014 where people were like going crazy. And I had like, uh, I said people laughed at me. There was a couple that like sort of got it and dove in with me. And then we got, mm-hmm. we all got wrecked in the, the altcoin. Uh, explosion of two thousand and fourteen two thousand and fifteen yeah.
1: um, do you do you uh do you are you interested in any coins outside of bitcoin uh,
0: uh, monero yeah uh the privacy coins because I think fungibility is very important uh from uh, from a monetary perspective mm-hmm. uh so I like to see projects that that really put that uh on the pedestal and mm-hmm. and and work towards that so I like monero um there's just too much to focus on a Bitcoin, I think, to sort of like to go out there and maybe maybe I've got my head in the sand not focusing on it uh, other things, but uh, I tend to stick on, I would consider myself a maximalist to an extent. Um, I am a maximalist. I, I'm gonna come out and say it. I'm loud and proud now. I've been very tepid about it, but I'm a maximalist yeah. I would say.
1: What, what what makes you a maximalist? I see like I, cause, like, I, I, I see this on Twitter like self-proclaimed maximalist and I, I, I I'm, I'm I kind of treat this like politics I, I don't yeah. really go into kind of what my favorite things are or how m- what I'm holding or whatever but and I, I find funny parallels um, I find funny parallels in Bitcoin maximalism and I, you hear a lot of um, you know kind of people who are self proclaimed carnivores uh, <laughs> and, and and it's almost like uh it's kind of similar in my mind it's kind of similar to like the epicureans like they were like a vegetarian cult and, mm-hmm. and that's the way you found out about um um sort of like pythagoreans theorem yeah um sorry did i say epicureans
0: you did say epicureans yeah, yeah. pythagoreans yeah, cult
1: yeah um and i i i wonder if there is a parallel here like the the the, the like the people who are eating meat and <laughs> um <laughs>
0: I I definitely think there is. I think I mean I'm not a carnivore by any means. I I'm an omnivore. I'll eat whatever you put in front of me. Yeah, uh, so garbage disposal, if you will. Um,
1: yeah, so what but, makes you maximalist? Sorry. Uh,
0: again, we're dealing with software here, mm-hmm. and I've I've explained this a, a couple times on the podcast. But we're dealing with software here, and these protocols are securing value. They're securing money. Money is very important, and that security should be paramount to every project and i just think bitcoin is the only project to date Mm -hmm. that does what it markets it will markets that it will do which is enable peer-to-peer resistant or excuse me peer-to-peer censorship resistant distributed uh transactions Mm -hmm. or transactions in a distributed network excuse me um it's worked as marketed since january 3rd 2009 the day it was launched and has produced uh blocks roughly every 10 minutes uh there was maybe one or two slip ups where like the 82 million block reward or whatever that was that was quickly resolved um um, and i just i just believe that the conservative approach of bitcoin in particular is uh is the wisest approach and it will will win out in the long run because as soon as you bastardize the the security of a network, which I would argue happened with the Dow hack mm-hmm. and the Solidity hacks that have been going on in Ethereum in particular, um, I think that's paramount. And on top of that, like you get into things like hash power. This is this is a zero sum game for energy. Um, there's only so much energy until we get Dyson spheres in, in space, or we can mine asteroids, or we find a renewable energy that's 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 easily, uh, um, that's easily what's the word I'm looking for. Um, stored, and then and then trans, transferable as well. Um, so I think it is, blockchains are a zero-sum game to an extent, and I think Bitcoin's combination of the Lindy effect, the conservative approach to development, um, the hash rate that's going on right now, it's up to like 33x a hash a second, which is a crazy, insane, secure network. I don't think anybody or any other project in the space is even close when it comes to hash rate and security. Yep. And then, um, again, the talent of the developers working on the protocol, like the hardcore cypherpunks mm-hmm. that built the technologies that sort of led to Bitcoin, yeah. uh, just using that as a heuristic uh, mm-hmm. sort of the people that built the foundations for these things mm-hmm. um, believe this is this is the the penultimate example of a, of a sound money in the digital age. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts
1: i i I agree on the um the security aspect i mean i think um bitcoin has some pretty valuable properties and i think when used right can unleash a lot of uh, creativity and innovation and i i kind of see i can see bitcoin as being this sort of this like prime mover this big gear that turns a lot of other other gears in the sense that because you can rely on it you don't have to rely on something that can be changed or is sort of high entropy I think it provides something that um a lot of creativity can 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 come from in in the form of um you know layer 2 protocols, um decentralized applications, etc. It's actually one of the things that drew me to Blockstack. Um and while you know I have an appreciation for Ethereum, like I think the community is is like vibrant. I think Ethereum is is very is very cool and I think there's a lot of innovation happening there um and and more and more um you know every day and week and year um i do s- like what attracted me to blockstack was they made a very important design decision um and that was to rely on uh rely on a blockchain that is the most secure for putting names in there and pushing all logic to the edges mm-hmm. and um and bitcoin serves uh serves the the purpose very very well there um you know it's it's the sort of most reliable blockchain at the moment if bitcoin ever dies Blockstack stack could move on to another blockchain
0: yeah you're blockchain agnostic right exactly um and that's a good segue let's talk about the sort of the sort of stop saying sort of marty um the uh, the, the founding of Blockstack. Like, Manib and Ryan, they worked on Namecoin, and I I love that you brought up, like, the security of the chain, because they found that there was, there like... So Namecoin was one of the first altcoins, right? It was, like, one of the first five, I'm pretty sure, right? Am I correct in saying that? I think it
1: was the first.
0: Yeah, it might first. have been the first. It might have been the first. first. It was, like, them was or PureCoin or something like that. I think it was the first. Yeah. um And so Ryan, in particular, was working on that, right?
1: Um... I'm not sure who was working on it. I um, you know, I started working at Blockstack a year ago, but mm-hmm. the founding story, uh, you know, I've I've he- I've heard secondhand only only a few times. Um, yeah, they were they were working uh on uh, you know, creating a decentralized naming system with one name. Uh what they found was that the security of the network uh wasn't very good uh and what was happening is uh, there was like a fifty one percent attack uh, mm-hmm. uh, possibility uh, for a long, for an extended period of time, and uh, this was on Namecoin, correct? Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it's funny. Like they they learned a lesson very early on and um, decided to create a, a virtual chain that could live on top of Bitcoin and put uh, hashed zone files, uh, which are essentially um, kind of like little address cards that you can put information in that are similar to, um, you know, that is used in, in DNS and um, into the Bitcoin blockchain and the virtual chain uh, is able to, you know, look over that record and, you know, kind of spin up a cohesive kind of phone book of of who's who and, and rely on it because you can rely on the security of the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah,
0: and that's what fascinates me about BlockSec is number one your focus on the edge cases is moving every all the logic to the edge right yeah it's like don't mess with the protocol level this is one thing i was preaching actually some it's called the
1: end-to-end design principle the end-to-end principle
0: yeah and this is one thing i saw somebody was i don't want to say somebody invited me to give a guest lecture at uh, barouch college i'm always uh Butcher, the pronunciation of that college, Brouch, brooch, whatever it is, Brook, Brook, Brook College. And so I, I was talking about this a lot today. So I did this this morning um, and talking about how I think Bitcoin should be slow and dumb at the protocol level. Just enable peer-to-peer censorship resistant distributed transactions and be extremely secure. And then you move everything to second layers like the Lightning Network and Blockstack. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how Blockstack works as a second layer. Like what, um, so you guys have a browser that lives on my server, correct?
1: Um, your your browser is running locally on, oh. on your own computer. Yes,
0: yes, my, my computer. And then, so I have a bunch of Blockstack IDs.
1: Oh, nice. Which ones do you have?
0: I have quite a few.
1: Oh, you're hoarding block stack IDs. I'm
0: hoarding block stack IDs.
1: What's your favorite one?
0: Uh, Amazon.
1: You have Amazon.id? Yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I tr- I looked up Twitter.id today. Someone took an- uh, it. Chloe Kardashian.id is available, though. We're, yeah.
0: We should tell Lewis downstairs. Nice. I don't know if I want, do I want people to know I have Amazon? I actually went for two letter names. So, so I have like MDRD. Oh, nice. Marty. Yeah. Rachel.
1: nice well what's like how how like at a high level uh how Blockstack works is it provides you it provides you with your own identity that's rooted in the blockchain and um it gives you a human readable name that uh, you can use uh, inter app it also provides you with a wallet so you can send bitcoin and soon you'll be able to send send stacks uh the native app token of Blockstack. um And then um, it also provides you with a nice uh, kind of API for access to your own personal data storage. So, um,
0: yeah. Don't want to cut you off there, but let's dive into that. Like, personal data storage is a hot topic in the news. We had somebody on last week talking about the data problems at Facebook and Google. Mm -hmm. So this is probably the main topic that we should dive in here is Blockstack's whole ethos is basically we're giving your data to you and you mm-hmm. control it as opposed to having your data sit on Google and Facebook servers and this is something revolutionary mm-hmm. and you guys are really building the decentralized internet that they're trying to build on silicon valley mm-hmm. correct yeah and you you were telling me before the show you're actually uh advising them
1: Yep. yeah we're advising them um yeah the, the personal data storage thing i think is um you know at, at the end of the day it's giving people back the right to, you know, effectively own their data, and their information, uh, and their identities, and their money, um, on the internet. And if you think about, you know, what do you own on the internet today? You know, most people would. Um, it's actually funny. Like most mo- most people were surprised when, when they answered that question because they never thought about it. It's like it's like that. It's like the kind of like uh, what makes money valuable question. You right. know? <laughs> like you you got to dive down the rabbit hole there for for a second um and um and i think um i think what's what's interesting here is like you know we've we kind of um just taken a step back uh we created this this internet thing fairly quickly um we've benefited from it dramatically uh i think we would all agree that the internet has been a net positive for humanity um agreed yeah but i think in you know when it was first created uh you know this like web 1.0 uh kind of uh, vision was that people would be very creative on the internet they'd uh they'd be able to you know create create pages and not just bookmarks and um you know they'd be able to innovate very very um very fast you know but in practice uh really like that wasn't happening, you know, like unless you, you were like a hardcore, you know, kind of uh, developer, you you, you weren't really creating. And so people were just kind of observers on the internet, um, just kind of watching it form. And then web 2.0 came along, which was like, you know, in our eyes, it's effectively these like social networks mm-hmm. that, uh, allow for creativity, but within walled gardens. Yeah. So you, know, you can post picture, uh, you can post a blog, um, you know, you can share videos, um, but you don't get to own it. Mm-hmm. And as a byproduct of you not owning it, uh, uh, and, and the, um, and the, uh, you know, sort of these monolithic, uh, <laughs> large, uh, companies owning it, they also control, uh, how the developers can innovate with that data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've kind of like drank this sweet poison, um, uh, because it gave us this this awesome uh, this awesome ability to, to create, but we've we've locked ourselves into a local maxima, I would say. Um, and what the promise of Web 3 is all the creativity of Web 2.0 without the walled gardens. It's this chance to take back ownership, take back identity, start from scratch, and allow for true innovation like true inno- unbridled innovation to happen like in my, my my feeling is that there is going to be a cambrian explosion of innovation once uh top talent developers start finding out about this mm-hmm. and i think um i think i think like um i think things like blockstack will will really will really uh sort of usher that in
0: yeah cuz you guys have <sighs> I mean, people like to talk about DApps on Ethereum, but you guys, you guys have DApps to market already. Like, my podcast is on the Dot Podcast app. Yeah, in the Blockstack browser. Like, yeah, we've been like so. You guys pres- have coin. You have portfolio trackers. You have Google Docs, but you have like, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, like a Google Docs competitor. Um yeah. You guys have working DApps. Am I wrong with that assumption? Or
1: we have working DApps and. um and more importantly they're scalable to millions and billions of people right that's incredibly important so, so like when 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 i came when i came to blockstack in january of last year you know it was like four people working at blockstack and you know it was like it's like a team of phd's in distributed systems from princeton and um they just had their heads down working very quietly for like 3 years and i mean that's all changing now um and so you know i think people going to hear more and more about Blockstack, especially as like you know you see this sort of like um you see i think you're going to see this surprise kind of come out of nowhere mm-hmm. is my is 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 what I, I i'm 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 seeing uh starting to happen um and i'd also say like um the apps that exist on blockstack today uh are only made possible as recently like the like the kind of uh, apps in which you share information with other people was only made uh, possible as recently as February of this year. Oh. So like here are some apps that exist on Blockstack that are undiscovered um and um some that are, you know, in stealth mode. So we have dot podcast that's um uncensorable uh podcasting network uh we have a, a community development app that we actually just launched this Wednesday. Um, that we've been giving out Stacks tokens for community contributions. Um, you sign in with your Blockstack ID, you earn Stacks tokens, and then uh, you know, later you can cash out. Um, we have a fully decentralized uh, Google suite. Uh, you know, it's like uh, Google Docs, Google Spreadsheets, uh, and that also has um, has a, a communication uh, app in it as well. All of the, none of this relies on any centralized servers.
0: So this is let's talk about how huge this is. Like Google has access to all of your information in your Google Google Docs technically. Yeah, not in Gra- not in Graphite, they don't. No.
1: And so there's a I mean there's a huge wired piece that came out on Graphite. The the mm-hmm. author of uh the piece Tom Simonite wrote the whole piece in Graphite. Really? Yeah, and make like sure you, know, you can share it with his his editor through Graphite. Um and um you know we have a we have like we have tons of apps that are gonna like catch people. Like people are gonna not be expecting them. Um, we have a, we have a fully decentralized um, we have a fully decentralized Twitter that's that's being created right now. Mm-hmm. I've been playing around with that. Um, How's that looking? So it's it's being it's being developed by. Um, it's a Princeton kid, right? Yeah, and like this. So apparently, this this kid is like the best CS student that Princeton has ever had. No, what? That's what the professors are saying. Really? Yeah um that said you know they're they're a young team um they're building they're building a decentralized and uncensorable twitter um and the interesting thing too here that i think like people have a hard time like sort of grokking is it doesn't require any money to post a tweet because you own all your tweets and people will literally just everyone owns their own tweets and your feed is made up of all the tweets that people own in that you follow so like by comparison like i think a lot of the lenses that people look through when they think about decentralized apps is like okay this app has to touch
0: the blockchain at every point hey, so it's like you need to fund your tweet with gas or something like that it's like, yeah
1: and like uh, that 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 might lead to other innovations um but my 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 sense is that um low friction is actually better when it comes to doing things that um you do on the toilet and then leave you know um <laughs> Like not, not to, not to speak ill of, of any, uh, of any, uh, apps that are paid to post. I think, you know, um, maybe, maybe, maybe there, there are some, some business models that, that come out of that or some, something that's, uh, that's positive. Um, but I think when it comes to, um, when it comes to preserving freedom of speech, when it comes to low friction, low payments, um, this, this decentralized uh sort of version of Twitter I think is gonna be very, very interesting. I think almost like the social ramifications that come out of that are gonna be interesting too. Like I don't I don't even know if I'm prepared for that. You yeah, know, like anyone not, can post anything and you can't yeah, take it down.
0: You can't can't kick weave off of the decentralized Twitter. What's Weave? Weave. He he was the hacker who got I forget who he hacked. But he got sent to prison. Uh, I don't know if he was radicalized in prison, but he came out. He's on Twitter. He's like a terrible anti semite, like white supremacist.
1: That's the worst place to become radicalized. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I don't know if it <laughs> happened in prison or like his time in prison just hardened him. But um, yeah. yeah, like he's somebody who's been kicked off Twitter, like the alt right. Um,
1: you know? Okay. So th- this is this is like I think a very interesting thing, um, and this is something that um, this is something that I think is worth talking about. You know, the people who are being censored on platforms are not always Nazis. Sometimes they're sex workers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're uh, political dissidents. You know, um, and my, like, the reason I'm so excited about uh, the decentralized Twitter and all this decentralized social networking, I mean, blogging, et cetera, et cetera, is we're no longer trusting a company. To preserve a record of human consciousness Mm -hmm. and I I think we're gonna look back on today with Twitter and just like think this was the craziest thing to trust a company (laughs) with collective you know human consciousness right and and I think it's worth getting steps on soapbox I think it's worth (laughs) worth preserving uh, this for you know our grandchildren and 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 you know generations to come because you know whether you agree with something like a trump or not i think it's important for us to be able to study how things right. like that happen and if you know if the information is not available or it's censored or you're not getting a true uh ordered uh kind of um you know view of that um, you're not going to be able to make sense of reality. I think understanding our, ourselves is a
0: very uh, is is a worthwhile kind of pursuit. I would 100% agree, and that's something that scares people. It was like a, uh, things on Twitter, like people are like T- Twitter's too toxic. Like was, I mean, Bitcoin and partic- crypto Twitter in particular.
1: Manib is- had a tweet um, that had some replies. And then it said, um, at, at the bottom of all the replies, it said, show more tweets. These are like the censored ones. And two of the tweets said, fuck. And then one tweet said, punch. Right. And I'm thinking, who do you have to be to be that triggered by that speech? But, I, I you know, on the, the flip side of the coin is, what do I not know that what? led to that decision? to to To, to you know to hide that yeah but the re- i i think at the end of the day uh users should be able to opt in to that experience that or they not. if they want to yeah
0: it's like that's the thing i tell people about twitter like twitter is like too confusing it's like it's one thing twitter could do better is teach people how to use twitter so if you're not using tweet deck and creating list and f- sort of filtering the information flows that you're getting on the app i don't think you're using twitter correctly like you can mute people you can Block people. You can really filter out keywords. You, you just got to learn how to build up your sort of curation tool. That's what Twitter is. I would argue that, outside of the censorship, Twitter is the best communication tool ever created. It is, is, is why we're sitting here today.
1: I uh, mean, it's really not. Like, if you, I mean, I'm sure pr- probably the majority of the listeners
0: have, you know,
1: thought about what it would be like to live in the 1940s, 50s, 60s. And think about something like Twitter existing—it's <laughs> absolutely mind-blowing. Right to say that you can broadcast something to everyone in the world, should they care to listen to it—is—is—is um, is, is mind-blowing.
0: And it's created this sort of like thought meritocracy, where an individual can can rise to the top if their thoughts are 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 good.
1: You know, it's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> they—I—I I heard this somewhere. Twitter is a place where you gather around thoughts and then meet in person afterwards. And Facebook is a place where you meet in person and then gather around a social network. <laughs> and, um, I, I think, I think, I think I owe a lot of where I, wh- like where I am today to Twitter and being able to network with people so easily and so quickly because it really is a meritocracy. And I remember, um, on the last podcast you had with Santi in, I think it was November 6th or something around there. Uh, he said, he was like it was the craziest thing i was able to ask um uh who is who's is the evolutionary it was evolutionary it was richard dawkins richard dawkins <laughs> yeah. uh if he's ever tried lsd or <laughs> psychedelics and i just thought this is so amazing and so he asked richard dawkins if he had ever tried uh, psychedelics richard dawkins said no but i've been speaking to uh i think a woman who um who's who uh, about this and now I'll get back maybe I'll get back to you or something like that. Um I forget what he actually said. I remember listening to after that podcast and I, and I got to check in on that and see if he got back. And he didn't. So I asked, Did you try out psychedelics? And, you know, maybe he'll respond. And I think that's like it's fascinating you can like collar someone and just pull them down to your level. Right. But also that someone someone who's trying to learn can uh about something that maybe you know can ping you. It's like a complete level playing field.
0: Um and if you yeah. pr- and if you approach these people that you're trying to get information from in the correct way, I, I've found that a lot of most people are, are like willing to interact with you. Absolutely. I mean,
1: like, there's old videos of Steve Jobs um, describing how he used to go through the phone book when he was 12 years old and call up uh, Hewlett and Packard uh-huh. in Palo Alto, mm-hmm. and he was like, most people just have a hard time. Uh, you know kind of you know, get, getting up the courage to just ask for something because usually people will just do it um, you know and I, I think that that pertains mostly to just like you know asking a question but um, regardless like Twitter is Twitter is like Twitter proves that out on a daily basis I
0: would not be sitting in the seat right now without Twitter I would not be where I am without Twitter I owe a lot to to the app you built Jack um, I met Lewis due dude who convinced me to run this podcast via Twitter mm-hmm. DMs. I met every single guest. I just ran through that in my head. Every single guest that has been on this podcast has initiated a relationship via DMs, you know. Yeah. And it's crazy. And the it, cool thing about Twitter too is
1: it shows sort of your meritocracy. I think I think obviously it's not like um it's not like um directly correlative to the value you're adding. But let's say this podcast gets really popular. Well, Marty's got five thousand followers in six months marty's got ten thousand followers you're able to get better guests you know like you know it's like um just, it, it's actually it's actually a good case for why there should be a decentralized twitter for example if you're a marketer you should have a right to own your email lists and own your your followers and to even like charge for protected tweets and things like that uh you know like what it, it, i'm i'm now just thinking through the decentralized lens, like what twitter doesn't allow you to do is like is is actually like um is i think is 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 probably um something that is worth exploring for app developers that are building decentralized apps um the uncensorability is one thing the kind of patreon like subscription models mm-hmm. is another thing um but um you know it's crazy like this this comp- this this company uh is only worth you know eight ten billion dollars or something like something like that, but it has an outsized impact on society yet is not capturing all of it and uh like what what that tells me is that uh, it's actually not uh providing enough value for its users um and that those users should be capturing the value instead i, I mean mm-hmm. that i am a little anarchist to to twitter in, in a sense but also appreciative of it um
0: that's, that's it. I would actually say it seems like Jack's like going through like a bit of a transition right now. Like he's very like with with Cash App in particular. Like he's very pro Bitcoin, very bullish on the space, and... which is
1: very interesting because like I look at Jack as, I mean, I, I like I I res- I absolutely respect the guy as a founder. I but I, I do look at him as a bit a bit a bit. Um, I don't want to say maybe virtue signally Uh, it w- w- like just just to like call it like it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would agree. I like. I, I just. I think the
0: he he caves easily under enough pressure. Yeah,
1: yeah. He does. He does cave e- e- easily, and I think. Um, that can be a feature for some and a bug for others, and um, you know, it it's it, it doesn't affect me. That's one thing. directly, but no. it, it probably affects some some other people who get banned. It probably you know. Uh, elevates some people who shouldn't be shouldn't be elevated. um I'm curious. It, I'm know. curious to
0: yeah. see what goes on behind back doors. I think he's got pressure from some powerful people. You think so? I mean, if you're a government, Twitter is probably the most disruptive tool, like, oh yeah, in the world. And I, I'm maybe, sure. Maybe
1: Facebook. Maybe f- I, it's it's like we're on Twitter, so yeah. that, But I think Facebook might be Facebook one, as well. And then, Twitter second, if if Twitter had as many users as Facebook, I think it'd be no no uh, no
0: question. Yeah, yeah, that's another interesting thing. Like the quality of, but
1: Jack, but Jack did make that. He he's he's taken a stance on Bitcoin, which mm-hmm. I, like, and I think it's very interesting because his his stance on cryptocurrencies does not. Uh, I don't want to say it doesn't align with his 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 sort of social stance, or maybe he's just a, a very complex individual. Mm-hmm uh but i i i typically uh, maybe unjustifiably categorize uh bitcoiners as uh fairly uh, libertarian or conservative mm-hmm. and um and i think um you know other uh sort of like other, other 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 cryptocurrency branches as um other derivations of that uh or um you know just maybe maybe more more liberal or more like socially socially conscious uh you know i i i think there is actually a political division at, uh, as as well as a uh crypto division <laughs> I think right that, i think that exists
0: oh it definitely exists and you see the different types of politics uh congregating around different chains like mm-hmm. i would argue like ethereum's got more of a, a keynesian uh i would also say socialist mindset uh, to an extent mm-hmm. um very virtue singly yeah, in my mind. Yeah, no. I, um, I, I, and then I, Bitcoin, I, I will, hardcore yeah. conservatives. You know.
1: Abs. Absolutely. I mean, um, I, 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 I would, I would say absolutely in the sense that um, that that from a quick glance, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I will say I think there are probably a lot of libertarians in in Ethereum. And there's different lenses in which you can look at ethereum and there's different trade offs mm-hmm. uh you can you can you can take um you can you can take on the, on on the on on ethereum but i think i think that's i think that's kind of fair to say yeah yeah
0: yeah i would agree and it's inter i mean this is a huge psychological experiment on this you see who yeah who's gravitated to what who gravitates to what mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day it's very
1: co- i ethereum is very community minded very 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 but they, that's I, I say i say the community is 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 the strongest aspect of 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 ethereum like i, I mean def- i i think its biggest feature is its community yes uh, I, and i think uh bitcoin's biggest feature is its security and immutability yes
0: and i would argue that like you shouldn't like you should value security and immutability above all else community should be way down the line because these technologies exist to let people that hate each other utilize them in the same fashion mm-hmm. so no matter
1: that's you, that's that's the important point
0: exactly so it's not hey let's all buddy buddy kumbaya get together and bring each other up from our bootstraps this is a technology to enable anybody no matter your religious creed your socioeconomic status your political beliefs bitcoin was created just so anybody could utilize it it doesn't that's the thing people don't realize is like these blockchains it's code software running on hardware like it doesn't understand the politics happening outside of it like it just produces blocks at at a set pace and runs the rules that are uh that are dictated by the software and it has no like bitcoin has no idea about the debates that go on outside of the protocol yeah.
1: For everything you just said is why we keep having nick sabo come to our conferences
0: oh, let's jump into zabo i love that man i was actually i was i was pumping zabo a lot this morning when i was giving that lecture i say
1: sabo is sabo is a, a very nice individual uh it was really funny um we had we had the Blockstack uh we had the Blockstack summit in uh mountain view in july of 2017 and it was like coachella for crypto it was awesome it was like one of the best days of my life and then the berlin event was like one of the, the other best days of my life um shout out to uh shannon voigt who put on both those events don't try to steal her. She's the best conference person in the game. <laughs> really? Uh absolutely. Yeah. She was she used to run like um massive day, like multi-day events at Food & Wine magazine. Oh wow. She just got she's just like you she's like an artist with it.
0: Crushes it. Yeah.
1: Uh yeah, and she's a one-woman team. There's like she has no other team. Really? Like it, that's the mo- that's the most mind-boggling thing. Um so we've had Sabo at both of those. Um at the first uh conference, Sabo was about to go up to speak and he's a man of very few words he'll he'll just say, "Okay, yeah, thank you, okay, so I need this, okay, good, and he just like goes, he's very much in his own head, he just kind of like stands up there and just like you know, uh, and just kind of it just kind of comes out of him, you know, um, but before he went on stage, he was like, "Oh, can you hold this?" and he like handed me his wallet and his phone and his keys, and I was like is th- this is this nah, maybe this isn't Satoshi Nakamoto <laughs> <laughs> so
0: yeah, for all you freaks out there a lot of people think nick is uh nick is Satoshi or part of the group that that is Satoshi well,
1: why do you call them freaks i don't know
0: i don't know it's just like something that so i write a daily newsletter too and then oh nice marty's bent marty's bent and it's something that so what i try to do with this podcast and the newsletter is basically create an olive branch between the Uber technical side of Bitcoin and blockchains mm-hmm. and the masses that want to learn more. Like people are like, holy shit. Yeah. Like maybe I should know more about this. And I try to teach people with uh by not taking myself too seriously. And yeah, you do and a joking, great job joking okay. around with people. You do
1: a great job. I mean uh I've been listening to your podcast. And, oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean like you 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 know where to sit back and kinda let someone let someone go in you know and you also know when to change up the topic yeah
0: (laughs) i don't want to change up the topic here though (laughs) let's stick on zabo zabo yeah um actually no let's not stick on zabo he likes being elusive i'll tell you that i would love to get him on this podcast so (laughs) nick if you're listening he's not listening the invite's open (laughs) 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 he's definitely not listening No, he might be listening Uh, i have conversation with one one one-sided conversation with vitalik like once every third episode on this podcast do you yeah vitalik i know you're listening you can come on too yeah
1: um uh, i i can intro you to nick um he yeah he likes his privacy that's for sure i mean like it's crazy like we'll get him at these conferences and he's like yeah just don't publish the video i'm like really don't publish the video we all right
0: all right fine. it sounds like he won't want to come on this <laughs> yeah <fine. laughs> um,
1: but you know um it, it, it's good having it's good having him there i mean like he's kind of like the og that's like he, you know he, like you know bernie sanders is like they say that he's like the old grandpa that's like you know, warning, warning about like uh you know like an asteroid coming to hit the earth like nick sabo is, is <laughs> not a grandpa but he's kind of like an og that um has thought through the stuff for many many decades uh, and you many know decades. he knows, he knows what he's he knows what
0: he's talking about so he's got also what does he do he teaches at George Mason, doesn't he? Is that? Is that it? Or was he at one point? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I'm pretty sure at one point he was teaching at George Mason. Could be wrong. Um, but he's somebody who like really knows this shit. Like he's got a law degree, a computer science degree, like a yeah. cryptography master. Like yeah. he's at, he if anybody like I say many times on this podcast, there's no experts in yeah. the Bitcoin space. Like if there is somebody it's that's Nick, close to an yeah. expert, it's Nick Zaba. Yeah, definitely. Like he wrote the paper describing yeah. s- smart contracts. Yeah. He, he, like, uh, and then the God Protocols paper he wrote too was another incredible that's one. That's a mind-blowing one. Right? Uh, so if you freaks out there have not read any of Nick's work yet, like, go on the Nakamoto Institute, uh, their literature page, I believe, or their research page, excuse me, their research page, has all of Nick's, um, white papers, and technical writings, and blog posts from the past, and then, check out his blog, unenumerated, uh, it's just unenumeratedblog.com?
1: Yeah,
0: uh, or I dot .org? I think it's,
1: uh, I can look it up. We'll find it. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think, I think it's worth giving him the,
0: yeah, and, uh, um but definitely like read his stuff. Like shelling out the history of money.
1: Unenumerated dot blockstack. com. Unenumerated. Can you imagine dot how many times I say the word blockstack stack per day? <laughs> Unenumerated.blogspot.com.
0: There was um <laughs> This is actually a funny story about block, block uh block stack IDs. I was trying to get overstock. Um but in haste. Mm-hmm. I wrote Overstack, and I was like fuck. So I bought like an ID that I didn't think would be valuable and then Keep I it. And like, I was like <laughs> Overstack? I yeah. was like, this is on block stack. Like yeah. maybe somebody comes up with an overstack block one day.
1: I'll tell you what, we have like we have like uh we have like hundreds of uh kind of like apps that people did in a weekend and they all name them block something or stack something. Everything's block party, block tweet, block block X, block you know, block yeah. it. It's like Okay, so the word "block" actually uh, shouldn't be used in everything. <laughs> it's like there's there's no there's no naming creativity in, in in this space, which which actually tells me that there needs that there needs to be a lot more. Um, we need to bring in uh, real designers. We need to bring in real engineers into the space, and um, I think it's such early days that um, sometimes. I, I think i think the first go at some projects um where really great designers or really good engineers um kind of uh, kind of attack the blockchain uh kind of or kind of like sort of approach the blockchain thing is their first attempt and i think on the second attempt our third attempt uh they'll get it right and we'll start seeing some applications that are just like absolutely mind-blowing and like what i get excited about is especially just bringing this back to Blockstack, it's like what it's part of what I know is like because the users own their own data, they can swap apps and not be locked in like at all. So, like imagine you're using, uh, imagine using, um, like a notes taking app, you know, like Evernote, and you want to use another app that's much better but uses all that same data. Like today, you'd have to like take it out. There's this, like huge f- very frictionful process. Yeah. In the Blocksec world you literally just press login to the other app and it'd be as if you've been using it the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like what like my 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 sort of vision for uh what it's like people don't know what they're people don't know what they're missing out on yet and I think it's still early days so like it's it's a little tough t- it, you got to squint a little bit but like um I think we're going to have like a much more seamless, magical sort of internet experience because we're going to take back ownership.
0: Yeah, so let's dive into that push versus pull. So Blockstack's a very push-oriented sort of data structure, and then whereas pull uh, is what Facebook and Google are. They're pulling our data from their servers and presenting it to us, where Blockstack, which is the beauty of it and sort of the whole... Um, mentality behind the decentralized internet is that you hold your data and you Mm. push it out when necessary so like how much data control are we gonna get because of these technologies
1: no i mean like um you like you i mean you can have terabytes of data that never see the light of day um and so you would have control over that data of course that's on one end of the spectrum that's like um single player apps we'll call those similar to like single player games where like solitaire, solitaire doesn't need to run on a server. It can just like run on you know, like you know, any, any device. Um, yeah, it's just logic, right? Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then when you get into the world of multiplayer, uh, you're now sharing um, data with other people. Obviously, those people can like screenshot data. But what we're what we're getting at here is something that's more like how the real world works. Like, if I show you a picture of me and my girlfriend on my phone beautiful girlfriend no one can see that but you and me mm-hmm. i didn't need to ask facebook i didn't ask any third party and with Blockstack, like, you're able to do that and know that the person on the other end is who they say they are i think that's and you can prove it on the blockchain exactly and people
0: are doing it today um i'm doing it yeah he's doing it um and how long do you think this takes like what, what what like what are you guys What's, talking what, about a block stack, like how long do you think before like block stack gets like a, a considerable user base? Like
1: I, I, I'm just going do on Do you think
0: there needs to be like an event that triggers like like wakes people up and says, Holy shit, we can't use these centralized apps anymore?
1: Well if you if you think about it from like just think about this from an application perspective. If you get a hundred million users who whatever that is built on is the winner. For all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. there needs to be a breakout. W- in order for a breakout winner to exist, there needs to be scalability. There also needs to be um, uh, sort of features that weren't previously accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, now, those are—I mean, those are like those are really important. And you know how much time it's going to take before we have a breakout out, um, I—I don't know. But my gut is that. As we get better and better at exposing new developers to the tools to create scalable, global uh, applications that don't require third third-party servers, that allow for a better user experience than what people are used to today, like I think that last part is very important. Um, I could see something happening happening this year that ca- catches everyone off guard. Let's really? put it let's put it that way. Okay, um, I like that. And 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 the and the. I, I love being able to say, with confidence, that even if an application was successful beyond our wildest dreams, the network wouldn't hold it back.
0: Right? You don't have a crypto situation. Exactly. Uh, which, yeah, and that's beautiful, and that's why I've been drawn to like just to let you know I've been a fan of Blockstack and Ryan and Manib for years. Like I remember them at Namecoin. I think I went to the first ever Blockstack meetup in New York where. Oh. Um, I know you're you got we we got like ten minutes?
1: Uh fifteen.
0: Okay, cool. Um and I I there's something like like you said, like they're very head down, like get shit done type yeah. mentality. And that's what I respect the shit. Mm-hmm. Uh that's what I respect the shit out of Maneeb and Ryan for those reasons. Yeah. They've just been very quiet. Head down, building this out, and actually bringing something to market that's scalable, and then the whole pushing everything to the edge where mm-hmm. you don't interact with the protocol just I mean, logically makes sense to me I and mean,
1: the, we're using the same principles that the people who created the internet and world wide web used yeah and and we're pa- we're patching the so like the I'll probably i'll probably butcher this but the end-to-end principle is uh i believe david clark um early pioneers of uh of you know of in of the 80s and in the internet and um was essentially like you want to push um you want to push all the, the logic and all of the complexity to the edges uh of a system uh of a distributed system in this in in, in the case of like the internet and uh um, when you put all logic in the center like uh, you get sort of log jams um and and like you know ryan and manib um you know their backgrounds uh informed them of this ahead of time so they were able to build something and um i was i i i I spotted that from afar because i i was having my reservations of of, uh about ethereum uh as as like really the go-to like next thing like um at the time uh I they have f-
0: really great marketing incredible marketing
1: they have really great marketing and um also i think like um i i have a lot uh, listen i have a lot of respect for i have a lot of respect for ethereum um and i think there'll be met i don't think it'll be winner take all by the way like i feel i really don't feel any competition with them I like i like i live outside of a world of uh zero sum with mm-hmm. with uh, ethereum or eos or anything else i'm just i i i really think that um i'm kind of just focused on Blockstack and like
0: well i i'm not going to put words in your mouth mm-hmm. and i'm not going to speak for you i'll speak for myself but i think you guys are attacking this from a design perspective from a system design perspective in a much wiser way than ethereum and everybody else trying to do everything on chain
1: this year applications will be able to create tokens later this year applications will be able to use smart contracts when an application hits the platform that's that's going to allow for it to be successful is one that's going to allow it to scale um, maybe it has its own token maybe it needs its own blockchain block Blockstack will allow you to actually create your own blockchain that has all the security benefits of bitcoin
0: really how do you guarantee that?
1: Well, you'd have to like so
0: why not just use Bitcoin at that point? Like could you use it via the Lightning Network? Like use like a uh, maybe create like a, a dApp on th- Okay. Yeah. Um
1: So this is something that this is something that's uh in development, but there's a very clear yep. path and um you know, we'll 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 make some announcements later this year and I think um it will I think it'll be it's like a you know, create a, create a blockchain create a blockchain on demand, essentially. Um mm-hmm. and and not be tied to one. It's like you never know if a blockchain is going to survive, even if it looks like a huge winner today. Yeah. And if you think that there's gonna be a block if you think a blockchain is gonna survive, you know, decades to come, then like I, I think I think I think that is unwise. Um I think that perspective is is like um is one that's not founded on on uh on reality. And and and, and well, there's and, not enough reality to And there's not it. No, exactly. And there's not enough reality to take from to make to yeah. to, to, to extrapolate to, into to the future. Exactly. Yeah. But like we we can't ex- we can't expect um we can't expect all blockchains to live on forever. Well, and so if we're building something as important as the internet,
0: we need for it to be stable. Yeah, you need to be agnostic to an yeah. extent, which I agree. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the dis- yeah. And if Bitcoin is does stay around for decades and centuries, then it's still completely applicable to Blockstack. It's a great start, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Wow, fascinating shit. Like, like I was saying, like I've been, I went to like the first Blockstack meetup in New York when I first moved here from chicago and i've always just been really impressed by the way like ryan and manib approach approach it and the way they handle themselves publicly and blah 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 like they Mm -hmm. they i think they have like a good approach to how to build like a a decentralized application Mm -hmm. ecosystem on top of bitcoin in particular and then Mm -hmm. if bitcoin fails other blockchains yeah i don't think bitcoin will fail but i think i think all the better that you guys I, made it I, all agnostic in case it does exactly like, just, like, yeah
1: I, i'm always questioning my assu- like i'm always questioning my assumptions like i i i don't see bitcoin failing um but i leave
0: i leave room for being wrong you have to you, you have, have to absolutely um, you, so, like mm-hmm? if, if i got one knock on maximalists it's that like
1: there's no reservation right yeah
0: yeah there's gotta be you gotta leave open like anything's yeah. possible Anything yeah. could fucking happen. Yeah. But I don't think it will, but I acknowledge the possibility that it could, mm-hmm. which is, it's always stressful. It's always stressful in this space. Why? I
1: don't know. Are you, What are you stressed about? I feel zero stress. I, well, well. Like, as far as-
0: Well, you're yeah. actually building something. I'm just talking shit about the people building stuff. Yeah. And, that's where I get stressed out. It's like, all right, I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm just
1: uh. What what do you stress about specifically? Like, man,
0: I'm, I'm misleading people. Like the people that read my newsletter, the people that listen to this podcast. Like, I'm just afraid of misleading people. because mm. um, I don't know all the answers, freaks. I don't. That's mm. why I like to have conversations with people like you, mm. tell me, get a better understanding of everything. Um, so that was a, uh, yeah, I, that was a 420. Uh, heart to heart. On on tales from the crypt. Wait, are you high? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not y- not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I said, I'll I'll save that for after <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> the podcast that ends with an accusation <laughs> of the other being high for the whole podcast. Um, yeah. If you want to roll a joint, we can do that right now before you go to this boxing match. No,
1: I, w- no. I, I don't think I don't think I can do that. You don't want to invite? Im- yeah, I c- I can't represent boxing in that way.
0: Yeah. Uh. You're so professional. Yeah, I thought this was decentralized. Though it doesn't matter. Well, you know, oh, I'm kidding.
1: I'm kidding. We're, we're open to, we're open to open to anything as long as you're not hurting anyone, right? <laughs> no,
0: no. Uh, it's actually crazy. Uh, Chuck Schumer, representative from New York, today came out and said he wants to completely decriminalize marijuana at a federal level. Let's go, Chuck Schumer announcing it on 422. Very savvy politician there. Very savvy.
1: Very smart. If he figures out how to abolish student loan debt or absolve uh, uh, you know that he I, could, he could become the next I don't next think employee. anybody has to do
0: anything. Yeah. I think that's yeah. just like going to run its course like there's no way. I like,
1: know, but it is so painful for people coming out of college to pay $500 per month, $1000 a month. It's it's uh, it's unsustainable. I mean, and
0: it's going to get to a point where it's like, hey, let's take a step back here is this even wise as a macroeconomic policy to force uh, the, the most productive uh, demographic of the workforce to, to have to pay off this debt immediately as they join the workforce? You I know? mean like
1: doctors? Oh, my doc- buddies
0: that went to Penn? I can't, like, my buddies that went to Ivy League schools, like, and, like, were true, like, blue collar, like, had to take out loans we and pay punished, for it we themselves. Puni- we
1: punish people who are trying to make us healthy. <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> it's it's really, it's really nuts. It's really fucked up. Yeah. Um, God, let's, you, do we want to jump into the corruption of the education system? Uh, what do you think? What do you, I mean. Sure, I'm happy to. What has enabled this is government uh, government grants or the I government mean, sort of trying to coerce people to go to college. I mean, and the
1: government moving slowly can be a feature or it can be a bug, and I think in the case of education, it has been a bug, because well, hey. in 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 the sense that they've taken something that uh, they perceive people as, as valuing deeply, and have extended uh, extended resources for people to get that thing for. for Probably far too long, and and, and I think I think the, it's a goddamn racket. I, I, and I also think the reality is like uh, college education is not one size fit all, and you know I think like when you it, to look at the the like the reality is usually dealt in numbers, right? Like and if you look at uh, university education student loan debt, um you know it's gone up at four x the rate of inflation since 1980, um so that. Um, I mean, obviously that's unsustainable. Um, but we're also—it's also a hostage situation because you know you have parents who feel like bad parents if they don't send their kids to college, and you have students who feel like luddites, and dumbasses if they don't go to college. Um, and I and I think, you know, um, well, it's it it, it it it's it's tough because you end up with this like huge burden of debt afterwards that's, uh, that's unabsolvable that, that, that you can't wipe off your record.
0: It's it's going to come to a head at some point. Like it's just like a, yeah. a, a known fact that like the people taking out this debt are not going to attain positions that allow them to reach a salary that pays off that debt. Like, mm-hmm. especially like English art majors, stuff like that. Sorry if any of you guys are English art majors, but like, it's just like, it's just like, a, it's just, it's, it's a fact. Like the, the, Salaries that you're going to get.
1: I mean, so like coding boot camps, for example, they price the uh, price of becoming a designer at like General Assembly at less of a cost than they do uh, a full stack engineer that they're you know bringing to the course.
0: I went to a I went to a digital design boot camp.
1: We don't allow we don't allow that in university because
0: no. I paid two grand for sixteen weeks. 12 weeks, excuse me, or 16. Four were virtual, and then 12 were in the classroom. Two grand, and I learned more in three months than I did at four years of college for something to, I wanted to learn about UX design.
1: I went to Johns Hopkins, and I thought that education was shitty. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I feel like I had like a, a, like a like a renaissance period after graduating, and I'm wondering and I was wondering why didn't I have that during college and I think right I, I felt I, the same thing I think it was part of the fact that you're getting the best local professors I mean th- this is true to any any school you you're like you're getting the best people that are willing to be on premises so that's not, that's scarce right like the, the very best can't be everywhere and um I mean, like that's, I like. Oh, and then oh yeah, I don't want to blank on that. It must be the bourbon, um, <laughs> and and also you you have a, through you, it, you you have you have, it's like completely antithetical to uh what an autodidact would do, mm-hmm. which is like uh you'd have you'd and 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 let's and, explain and, and, uh,
0: autodidact. For it's people. someone who
1: teaches themselves someone who teaches themselves and and is, you know, someone who's curious and teaches themselves and betters themselves and, and, uh, you know, learns skills that are valuable and learns information that's valuable. Like when a university gives you a hundred different majors, those majors don't actually map to the real world. Those majors map to ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a and, great point. And, 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 and the problem is that ideology is, um, is, 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 uh, is It comes that comes at a high cost. We'll just say, mm-hmm.
0: um and
1: so yeah,
0: very ironic speaking to a Bitcoin maximalist. Yeah, what, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a very ironic com- talking to a Bitcoin maximalist here. Yeah, let's say I'm very ideological for some things. And I go back and forth. Is that like? I mean, is that I, wise is, I, it, I, I, is there? I, are there I times was thinking
1: about this exact thing yesterday. I, I was thinking about the Bitcoin maximalism. I really have a lot of respect for Bitcoin maximalists. Like. Um, Bitstein out there, Saifedean.
0: Saifedean. Saifedean. Michael Goldstein.
1: Yeah, Michael Goldstein. Michael, Michael Goldstein, carnivore. Uh, Saifedean, carnivore, mm-hmm. by the way. M- m- must be noted when, 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 you, when you mention them. Oh. Um,
0: oh, and they'll they'll laugh at you if you don't. You don't
1: <laughs> yeah, so they, uh, I mean, like, the Bitcoin maximalist thing, like, I, I was just kind of, like, thinking about this and... I was thinking like and I I tweeted yesterday like if you aren't constantly asking yourself how do I know I'm right like and really trying to find out the little nooks and crannies uh, and where they might exist because those nooks and crannies might be everything and if you're wrong on that then you've been you've just made yourself into a useful idiot
0: yeah well i will come to the defense of michael and safidine here and i think those are two people that have really 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 thought about how they could be wrong safidine just wrote a book about it like the bitcoin standard go buy it on amazon he, he it, wrote a book and well i would say like I, vers- basically I I, hash-
1: I, I I i didn't say they were incorrect i didn't say i didn't respect them i think i think uh you know they. They, oh, they I, might. They I was not assuming that you. Oh that yeah, you said as come as well. to the defense. I okay. just wanted. To, I wanted to cover there my statement with like, uh, have a lot of respect for those guys. Also, I have a lot of uh, respect for Andrew DeSantis. Like, that, I love
0: Andrew. That that guy, he thinks different. He's got a tattooed on his wrist.
1: I know he does think different. He like there there. Last thing I'll say. I'll hop off. I, I've spent probably over forty hours talking on the phone with Andrew DeSantis, and that dude is um there are very few people in the world like him very Um, very few that dude is he's thinking on a completely different that dude is very lucid but not without his not without imperfection you know like he's one of those guys that i think uh i was alluding to like the acting like a crazy acting like a crazy person uh like kanye west when you first look at him or you first like read his tweets you're like oh this is a crazy person um but if you get the closer and closer you get to him the more you realize he is he is very lucid
0: when you see some when you see well, i had the pleasure of meeting him in person this around he, this time last he year spent, he spent the time in
1: my, he spent time in my house in san francisco and in new york boss really i mean, I mean like he's a. I I love that guy he's he's a I, like shout out like andrew if you're listening i doubt he's listening if he may be andrew might be listening it's the end of the podcast he goes through these <laughs> whole things
0: andrew if you're listening You've definitely had an indelible mark in my life, and I very much appreciate you. Uh, I could say the same. I mean, I only met, I only had the pleasure of meeting Andrew once, and that was about this time last year. And uh, the conversation we had at JG Mellon's on the Upper East Side was one of the most life-changing conversations I've ever had. And like you said, he's very cryptic in his tweets. But when you meet him in person and he describes what he's thinking, it's very lucid and it's very straightforward. And I walked out, I actually met him with Santiago and we had a conversation like the two, like Santi and I walked out, Andrew hopped in a cab and Santi and I were walking on Lexington or Third Ave on the Upper East Side and we were just like, what the fuck just happened? Like that was the most insane conversation. We sat at the table for three hours, the three of us like hashed out a bunch of shit. I was so like mystified by the conversation we had just had. Like I got on the NQR to go back to Brooklyn and I went three stops in the wrong direction. Like I went uptown for three stops and then realized, holy shit, I'm going the wrong way. Had to get off the subway, walk across the platform and get on the, like get on the train to go downtown because I was just like still thinking about the conversation we had had. And it, it blew my mind. Like if you, Santi Santi about the religion we started. he'll say J. G. Mellon is our church
1: yeah i I always cite Andrew um, when I was finding people that were predicting predicting the future with high accuracy. I was finding Andrew a lot and um, and so you know, I spent a lot of time with him, and he really kind of like gave me a different lens on reality for that. I'm very thankful, and i I would just say like. If you're willing to dive down the rabbit hole, you will find some things there that will um change the way you look at the world for sure
0: yeah, and if there's i think if there's one thing we can we can glean from this conversation about Andrew in particular is think different like don't be afraid to think different um don't be afraid to think about edge cases to dive into topics that that may be taboo um that may go against the grain of the mainstream um, yeah. This has been an incredible conversation, Patrick. Yeah. I really appreciate really appreciate you coming through. Um, we're going to have to do this again, because I only had you in here for like an hour and 20 minutes. We have a lot more to talk about. Where can we find out more about you? Or Actually, first, do you have a parting note for the freaks out there?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, If you liked what you heard about uh, Blockstack, and you think it's going to be the future, or you don't, uh, still go to contribute.blockstack.org, and you can actually contribute to the Blockstack ecosystem and earn the native token of Blockstack. It's called Stacks. Also, check out Blockstack.org. Some books you should definitely check out, uh, Knowledge and Power by George Gilder, The Sovereign Individual. Um, Follow Naval and Ravikant on Twitter and um, follow Blockstack on Twitter. And where can we follow you on Twitter? I'm Patrick W. Stanley on Twitter. But, um, you know, I'm kind of a Blockstack shill, so you get what you 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 (laughs) follow.
0: You just named two books that are on the Tales from the Crypt book club list. Oh, yeah.
1: Also, uh, here's an Andrew DeSantis book that is immediate. It's hard to get through it, but G.E.D. Uh, not Go to Lusherbach. It's The um, um, Bias of Communication. It was written in 1951 by Harold Innes. He's like some Canadian dude. And it goes through uh, kind of time and space bias communication. And is part of the reason I found Block deck and part of the reason I feel like those guys are at the finish line and no one else uh, realized it but will.
0: Bang, bang. And let's end it there. Uh, If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, share. Follow the newsletter. Follow me on Twitter, at Marty Bent. We'll be back next week. Peace and love. Thanks, Marty. Woo! Sorry for for keeping you so long. Yeah.